News Power Hour. Welcome to the Biz News Power Hour, where we give you the rational perspective on business news that matters. And lots of rational perspectives for you tonight. Although I'm not so sure with Aki Anastasio uh, gracing our uh, program for the first time. Aki, we're going to be talking to you about the rise of real-time blogging audio, uh, Clubhouse, uh, Spotify buying locker room. Lots happening in that space, Aki. Oh, absolutely. And a very good evening to you, Alec. It's really good to see you. I mean, you know, I've been colleague for... I think more than two decades, I lost count, but it's great to see you. Great to see David Shapiro and Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Carrie Adams, where's the wine? I regret not being there with you guys. Yeah, well, Carrie's, <laughs> Carrie's coming in after six, and she's got a scoop and a half. She'll be talking to Wendy Applebaum, uh, the one of the uh, top businesswomen in South Africa, but they're talking wine tonight. So that's coming up after six. Also after six, we'll be with Jared uh, Neves, our uh, well, I suppose you'd call him our um, financial journalist, but he just he actually is a bit of a petrol head. So he loves cars, and he's just done a review on the new VW Polo. And then more AstraZeneca craziness. Uh, I'm going to play you a clip from Bloomberg that uh, kind of shuddered me a, a little bit, but we'll talk about that later on. And then the Investment risk that we spoke about a little bit last night on Tencent and China with the Chinese authorities starting to crack down more and more on capitalists in that country. Uh, We'll be having that conversation with our own Charles Burton and, of course, David Shapiro, who's our guest uh, co-host here on a Thursday. David, let's hear if you've got the sound right. I hope so. I've worked hard to get it. (laughs) (laughs) We are so relieved. It's only taken us four weeks, but we got it at last. So that's uh, David Shapiro and we'll all of that coming up for you in the next hour. J&J COVID-19 vaccines have been approved for use in South Africa. That's according to Janssen Pharmaceuticals, which says that the South African Health Products Regulatory Authority has granted registration with conditions for its single-dose COVID-19 vaccine. The company aims to begin the delivery of more than 30 million doses of the J&J vaccine to South Africa this year, with the first supply of about 3 million doses delivered during this quarter. The company has not responded to requests from BizNews to provide specific prices that will apply in South Africa. It says only in a statement that it is committed to making its vaccine available on a not-for-profit basis for emergency pandemic use. For more on vaccination rollout in South Africa, listen to the BizNews Inside COVID-19 podcast which is available on all the major podcast channels, including Spotify and iTunes. The South African Reserve Bank has seized about 20 million rand from the Nedbank account of Sahara Computers, reports My Broadband. Sahara Computers was owned and operated by the infamous Gupta family. The Guptas hired former president Jacob Zuma's son, Dudizane, as an IT specialist in 2007 and made his twin sister, Dudizile, a director at the company in the same year. Three years after the company shut its doors, the South African Reserve Bank has finally published a notice and order of forfeiture related to Sahara Computers. The Independent Communications Authority of South Africa has published new regulations which require all telecoms licensees, including ISPs, to have black owners. 
an individual licensee must have a minimum of 30% of its ownership equity held by black people, reports My Broadband. Should an ISP or telecoms provider not comply with these requirements, it faces severe penalties like a fine of 5 million rand or 10% of annual turnover. An industry expert is quoted as saying that imposing a particular shareholding on a company is always a disaster and it does not add value to the industry. There are not 600 black companies which can add value, but there are at least 600 licensees which are currently operating in the telecoms market, he said. This means the large ISPs will get the best black empowerment partners, while the rest will be lumbered with 30% dead weight. Anglo Gold CEO Christine Ramon says the world's number three gold miner will not be rushed into any deals as the industry braces for a round of acquisitions. Gold miners are flush with cash after prices rose, fueled by investors seeking safe haven status amid the pandemic. Africa's biggest fund manager, the PIC, and Anglo Gold's largest investor, says any consolidation must benefit South Africa as well as shareholders. Sibanya Stillwater CEO Neil Froneman recently floated the idea of a merger with peers Anglo Gold and Goldfields. He argued that consolidation is needed for South Africa's gold miners to compete globally. And that's your Biz News Flash Briefing. I'm Jackie Cameron for Biz News. For more on those and the other big business stories, visit biznews.com. And that's our editor at large, Jackie Cameron. Uh, Justin is off playing golf on a fant- at a fantastic golf course. I'm not going to tell you which one because there will be just too many people having a serious bout of FOMO. But uh, as a consequence, I'll bring you up to date with the markets. Today, the Aussie All Share Index was up 1.3%, uh, led by industrials, which were 2.5% stronger. On the industrial board, Naspas and Sassel both jumping 5.5% each. That takes Naspas to 37, sorry, 3,720 rand a share and Sassel to 223 rand. But really, the big money today was made on PPC. For the second day in a row, it jumped up 21% today. This share you could have got last week at 1 rand 77. Today you have to pay 2 rand 90. That's enough to change anyone's address. Also big moves by Harmony. That was up 10%. And Goldfield, 7.5%. Uh, we saw on the downside, though, CarTrack, which is headed for the NASDAQ, dropping by 10 rand in a week from 74 rand to under 65 rand. So, David, interesting stuff on the markets. But before we go into uh, the next story, which is a big one, where we have a look at NASPAS and the risk that is being posed by the Chinese authorities now jumping onto uh, Tencent, Alibaba, Baidu, etc. Those big moves on NASPAS and Sassel today. Yeah, it's uh, well, a lot, a lot has to do with the commodity prices. A lot has to do with the oil price picking up. I've just seen a headline come through that OPEC are going to allow production to increase. So I'm not sure whether it'll start to let a little bit of air out of those tires, but because they were worried about demand. But I think the global economy looking very, very strong. So I think against that backdrop, um, they can start to increase production. But process and NASPA is very interesting. Alec, if you look at Asia this morning, having with Chinese companies having been under pressure, there were massive gains uh, in, in Tencent, massive gains in Pinduoduo, which is another e-commerce company, and Meitu. And I don't know how you pronounce it. I always get confused. M-E-I-T-U-A-N, which delivers something like 57 million 
meals a day uh, in China in, in like 2,800 cities and that. So the point that I want to bring across to you, Alec, the Chinese government cannot bring these companies down. They may impose certain uh, kind of uh, uh, regulations on their finance businesses, you know, where they're acting as uh, issuers of money or, or, or uh, you know, in, in uh, monetary policy. But as far as businesses, I think it's going to be very, very difficult to bring these businesses down. If you looked at 10 cents results, the same kind of thing. I mean, I don't know how many active users they have. So try as they may, I still think that these businesses are going to flourish. Well, David, from your lips to God's ears, as they say in the racing game, uh, we know what happened at Tiananmen Square. We know what's been going on in Hong Kong recently. Uh, when the Chinese government wants to do something, it doesn't tend to let niceties get in the way. Anyway, we'll put that one side. We're going to talk about that in a moment with Charles. But uh, your story on oil is being reflected. I'm having a look at the market data page on Wall Street Journal, our partner, and the oil price has come down in the last, mm, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes from 60 mm. rand 50 cents, 60 dollars and 50 cents a barrel to 59 dollars a barrel. So not a huge uh, decline, but still it's going to be enough to put Cecil on the back foot then come Monday. But let's bring Charles in now. Charles, you've been doing a little bit of work uh, looking into this threat uh, towards the Chinese companies. Why is it so relevant here in South Africa? Alec, uh, because uh, through Naspers we own, I think, 30% of Tencent. So, I mean, there's uh, hundreds of billions of rands of South African pensioners caught up in this company. Mm-hmm. So, if, uh, if the Chinese government decides to do something radical to Tencent, uh, that's definitely going to influence the wealth of many, many, many South Africans on a big scale. And David, last I looked, mm. the share that Naspers had in the South African stock market ind- interest was over, mm. well, Naspers and Process, the, the, mm. the, the duo, mm. was over 20%. So in other words, more mm. than one in five uh, or 20 cents in every rand invested in equities in pensions is actually in the stock. Yeah, it's not only that. It accounts for on a daily basis somewhere between 20, you know, anywhere between 20 to 30 percent of the daily trade. So it's not only influential in the uh, in, in pension funds and provident funds, but also the JSE would not exist, would not survive without the trade that we get on a day-to-day basis. And I watch every day. I go and take the numbers out. You know, today it was like 21 billion of which NASPERS and Process probably make up, uh, you know, 20% of, of, the, of the daily trade, even more. So it's a very important number uh, for the JSC. So what Charles says, if anything does happen, and there is a vulnerability, you cannot ignore it for the points that you actually brought out. Um, no one knows how the Chinese government's going to act. Yes, it will make a huge difference to, uh, to us. I think it's wrong. I think they should you know that that they should open up or at least limit the amount um you know of 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 the influence of of uh, pro, uh, process and aspect you know to to round about 10% or thereabouts and that it's far far too you know too great and that means any tracker fund has the same kind of exposure as well so Charles, what did you what conclusions did you reach with your research today um, David was mentioning something earlier. He said that he doesn't think these, these companies will 
you know, the government won't, um, there's no risk in that sense. These companies will continue to exist. And I agree with that in general. So we'll see online and those, those things continue to grow in China. My, how can I say, worry is that specific investors might be, their shares might be taken out. So let's say, for instance, Tencent as a business or a business like Tencent will continue to exist and flourish, but you might see the government being unhappy with particular shareholders and then decide um, your share is ours. Uh, Nationalization, in other words. Mm -hmm. In In a sense, they can decide that and who will go against them. That's quite mm-hmm. interesting because the trend in the capitalist society is for privatization of state companies. What you're saying is this is a communist country. We cannot discount the risk of nationalization of those, uh, those big businesses. And I, I guess, you know, Dave, if you think laterally, that's possible. Have a look at Jack Ma. Sorry, Shaul. Jack, you haven't heard from Jack Ma. He's just, he's taken a much lower profile. You know, he's the man who uh, put Alibaba on its feet. Uh, he is a wonderful uh, ambassador for Chinese businesses and a wonderful person to listen to. He was a personality. All of a sudden, you don't hear from Jack Ma anymore. You know, Pony Ma, who is Tencent, uh, to an extent, he's around and that. But Jack is gone. You know, he's vanished. And I'm sure that the government... Uh, you know, clamped down on him. I don't know what they said to him, but uh, we miss him. And, you know, Alibaba has suffered as a result of that. So to, you know, to, to support what Charles saying, those are the, those are the issues which I think could be, you know, could be worrisome. Two quick points on that. Jack Ma was in South Africa two years ago at Cyril Ramaphosa's Mm. investment conference where he said Mm. entrepreneurs are the reasons why economies flourish. Uh, Ramaphosa said entrepreneurs are the heroes in our society as a consequence of that. Well, but David, the second thing is don't say that he's disappeared because in China that could be literal. (laughs) I know. He does appear from time to time, but in a much more humble way. Have you met him? Have you met Jack Ma or Pony Ma or any of these guys? I have indeed. When he was here two years ago, I, um, I had a very unique opportunity to interview him. And um, he is an incredibly fascinating guy. And he spoke exactly of what you guys have been talking about right now. Um, and, you know, he's big on entrepreneurship and big on, you know, growing this uh, in Africa through his foundation. Um, and really quite a fascinating guy. And I've been watching him very closely over the last couple of, uh, you know, months. And he certainly has been disappeared. Mm. And he certainly was quite vocal on, on, mm. on, you know, he got a bit political, which I think mm. uh, that's what the Chinese government are cracking down on. But the one thing that always struck me about him um, that he said in my interview with him was that companies who employ a greater number of women in an organization are far more successful. And that's what they, you know, Alibaba's built on is the amount of women at senior positions within the organization, which I really found interesting when he said that. Uh, Charles, do you want to just take us through the clip that uh, uh, Jackie, uh, or the clip of the interview that Jackie did, uh, which is very relevant to the subject? Yes. Now, Charles, just tell us the context, please, on this clip. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, yeah, so the interview, Jackie, an interview with a specialist, a professor um, that actually lives in Shanghai, 
and he was he was mentioning that the Chinese um, have these five year plans. That almost like uh, companies have strategic plans, and the Chinese have five year plans. And as I mentioned earlier, the Chinese plan is to grow uh, the digital economy. It's about thirty five percent of the GDP. So. That means these companies aren't going somewhere as a group, but individual ones might rise and fall as the case may be. And then also um, in the interview, the, the professor mentioned the green uh, economy, which uh, is going to be massive in China. So China has uh, sort of said by 2035, every single new car sold in China is going to be electric, and by 2060, the economy is going to be net zero emissions. And just an interesting fact, they're going to build 70,000 kilometers of high-speed railway. Now, that is, yeah, think about that. That is going up to Cairo, back to Cape Town, going back to Cairo uh, a couple of times. Yeah, it's extraordinary, the, the scale of everything in China. So let's listen to that clip now. So what are these big companies doing that the Chinese government doesn't like? Uh, they have grown a little bit too fast, uh, crossing that line and entering, for example, the world of banking uh, by maybe mobilizing uh, customer deposits because, of course, the, the line can be blurred when a, a IT, when a soft, when a company of sales uh, goods on the internet, like Amazon, like Alibaba, and the customer uses a prepaid, uh, let's say, card to put some funds that will be available when they need to make the purchase. Uh, little by little, these funds uh, put into this prepaid card that do look like uh, bank deposits. And so companies then have to decide how to manage those funds. Do they offer a little bit of interest, and that kind of means that they really cross in the line into a sector that, uh, like the Internet, uh, needs to be highly regulated because it's uh, a systemic uh, sector for the economy. Interesting interview, and you can listen to the whole thing on uh, the Biz News channel, which is on Spotify and iTunes. Okay, put it all together. Today, uh, we had NASPAS going up 5%. So although there might be concerns into the future, nobody's really panicking at the moment, Shaw. No. Um, the technology companies worldwide, we've seen a sell-off in the last month or so. But, I mean, as David said, these companies are generating phenomenal profits. The numbers, the number of users these guys have, and also the digitalization, young people spending more time online, more things these companies are doing. As the interviewee said, these companies are, are sort of crossing borders that the Chinese government might not like. And one thing one needs to understand, uh, China order is incredibly important to the government, much more than individual freedoms are to people in the West. So they will clamp down where they think a company is crossing the line. They will clamp down and order will prevail. Yeah, um, different culture completely, one that is not always properly absorbed. But Aki, we want to talk about what's going on in the West and uh, all the exciting yes. news that's happening in the technology front. Uh, since you left 702, uh, what have you been up to before we, we, uh, we get into the whole clubhouse scenario? 
Well, Alec, I've been up to a couple of things. I've got a technology show on ENCA, um, and I've been doing a lot of online stuff. It was extraordinary. I remember this this month so well last year. Um, as you know, I do a lot of facilitation and do a lot of tech events in the South African uh, you know, economy and for big companies in South Africa. And I remember during the month of March, every single one of my events for 2020 were all canceled, just one after the other something like 45 events that were planned for 2020. 45 events. Okay, you must be a a gazillionaire with (laughs) all of that work. I wish, but I mean, you know, just uh, repeat customers and and that sort of thing. It was throughout the year. And literally they were all cancelled, Alec. Within a space of two weeks in March of 2020, they were gone. And literally in the first two weeks of April, um, many of those came back and I got additional events coming in because organizations realized saying that, listen, this lockdown is happening. People are working remotely. We cannot stop sending our message out to our customers and engaging with our customers. And many organizations like the likes of Dell, for example, they set up studios at their headquarters. So every month I've been doing two live broadcasts from their studios. Um, and then I've set up a studio at my home where I've been you know, involved in doing live events, facilitating events. And a lot of these organizations like AWS, for example, Amazon, really big in the country. And, and, and you know, they, they need to talk to their customers. They need to tell their customers what's happening. And, of course, I've also been doing quite a few virtual events at uh, special studios that have been set up. Um, you know, around Johannesburg. So it's been a very interesting ride, I must tell you. So I've been doing a lot of that um, and a television show as well and a lot of the facilitation work, which has been keeping me really busy. I've got to tell a, a secret now to our community. <laughs> Akman and I worked together at 702. It feels like 100 years ago, but uh, it, it wasn't that long. And you used to be, well, you're an icon, we're an icon on traffic. Of course, you reinvented yourself, as I did as well, but uh, moving from traffic. But your assistant, the the little lady you used to chase around uh, to go and get us tea and do things was none other than Leanne Manis, who's now, uh, well, isn't she? she, She's (laughs) under your guidance. You made her into a superstar, Aki. Have you got anybody else like that? Leanne Manis, uh, Cindy Polluter's there, and Mandy Wiener is another one, of course. Um, all came through your, your guidance. Mm. All my guidance. What can I say? And look at where I am now. Wow. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah. but, you know, Alec, it's, it, you know, I used to, uh, our offices were right next door to each other at mm. the original Prime Media offices. And I remember listening in on, on, on your finance discussions, and I always found it really fascinating. And you've certainly opened up that world of finance for for me to better understand it, you've got this knack of simplifying things and making things more palatable for people who don't understand the complexities of finance and shares and all that kind of thing. I thought the only thing you remembered about me during that time was arriving at work with shorts, a t-shirt and slops because that had never been seen <laughs> at 702 before. O'Sullivan still says the same thing. Oh, you didn't want to say it. Well, anyway, my sartorial elegance has been improved thanks to David Shapiro, who still uh, helps us, uh, as you can see, right there. Aki Clubhouse, what's going on there? It seems to be a phenomenon. What is it for people who've never heard of it before? Yeah, Clubhouse is a very, very interesting company. And, you know, firstly, it's it's by invite only. So if you can imagine an app on your phone where you're able to listen in 
to other people's conversations, um, and not in a in a in a in a weird way, but uh, people want you to listen to their conversation. So you literally uh, go online, and somebody started a conversation. People join in that conversation. They can listen in to the discussion, and you can even be invited to be part of the discussion. Now, Clubhouse is. Um, you know, it's been quite a phenomenon, as you said. It's been downloaded three million times. It's got an evaluation of a billion dollars, um, and right now it's by invite only, and it only works on an iPhone. So only available on the iOS platform. And uh, you know, there's lots of invites. You can get them. I'm happy to send you guys some invites. And really, you just send the invite. You download the app, and you go in. And I guess it's come to uh, it's, it's become really popular because the likes of Elon Musk made a guest appearance on on on, on Clubhouse, and so did Mark Zuckerberg. And the 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 conversations that I've had on Clubhouse where have been quite interesting. You get some really smart people that start topics about really interesting things. So um, I mean, there's been stuff about Ethereum, about Bitcoin, about you know, investing, for example. Have Lots you, of stuff about. Have you investing. started started a room yet? I haven't started a room yet. I'm I'm a, I'm more of a voyeur when it comes to these kind of things. I look at it. From that sounds creepy. Oh, that, that is creepy. And stop laughing, Carrie Adams. Aki Anastasio, he's my boyfriend, Alec, from Him very too. long ago. Okay, so I, I want to tell you something that uh, Carrie's got a lot of boyfriends, so don't don't feel as though she's no, been dropping you. No, but I've only got you. one mm. Greek. Ah, only one Greek. Only one Greek. Well, there we go, and uh, and, and you top of the pops. You know, it's a really fascinating platform. You guys have got to check it out. But but here's the thing. Um, I I have to question whether they're going to survive or stay relevant because they're playing in a in the sea where there's lots of sharks and a lot of bigger fish, and you know you've got the likes of uh, Facebook who's working on an exact copy and it looks. Uh, you know, almost identical to what Clubhouse has done. I mean, even LinkedIn is working. I mean, if you think of LinkedIn as a platform where it's a business platform, imagine you have business leaders coming up there um, and having these kinds of discussions. So uh, all the big boys that are already on the social networks are starting to copy what Clubhouse has done. Whether they're still going to be relevant in a year from now is another question. Isn't it interesting the way tech goes? Uh, And you and I are old enough to know there was once Netscape, and Mark Andreessen, uh, who started Netscape, is also the man who started Clubhouse, or certainly funded yes. Clubhouse as well. So uh, the old, old techies uh, never die. What about this deal that Spotify has just done with a, a similar site called Locker Room, which is, I guess, the Clubhouse for the sports industry? Yes. Now, I mean, you know, these kind of clubhouse uh, themes have been have been done several times. I mean, even DSTV tried something similar to create a conversation around a sporting event that might be taking place. I, I guess Spotify are wanting to do something similar as well. So everyone's trying to get in on the action. I mean, even Twitter is developing. They had their their annual um, investor conference not so long ago. And if you look at Twitter as 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 a social media platform and how they've transformed, you know, it's a short message platform that they initially started on, but they've had to evolve and transform with the times. Um, and then they increased their, their, their platform, they've increased the, the, the length of the texts that you can write. And Twitter is also working on an audio platform, and they've included a lot of, a lot of rich audiovisual stuff in their platform as well. So they're experimenting with all sorts of things. So everybody needs to be part of this, and Spotify is no different to, um, uh, you know, to Clubhouse. And I guess 
there's also that relevancy where they want the brand to continue and people to talk about the stuff because, you know, it's all very well just watching a movie, but how do you keep that user that you have engaged and really continue just after the movie um, in terms of that engagement. So everybody wants to keep that engagement. Everybody wants to keep people hooked in to that conversation some way or another. It's all about engagement, isn't it? Not the number of clicks or the clickbait, etc., but all about engagement. And uh, Charles, I, I, have, you, have you played around with this yet? Have you gone on to Clubhouse yet? No, I haven't, but I've done the Twitter one. I can't remember what the Twitter one's called. I think it's Spaces or something. Uh, so I've listened to some friends talk about shares, and it was it was great. Yeah, David, and, and you, have you? No. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you, David. I, I, I find that at the end of the day, you know, when we finish this program, I just want to cop out of everything. I just want to turn off everything. I think the whole day watching share prices go up and down, reading the news, following what's happening, it's enough. It's enough noise in my head. You know, it's an old head. You must remember, Alec, you know, we haven't got Intel, the modern, we haven't got NVIDIA chips in our head. I'm a, I'm a 1947 version. I think I've still got the old Commodore chip in my head. And, and an Acer, and an Acer, Acer computer. <laughs> David, that gives you away, doesn't it, Aki? I mean, David yeah, working off an Acer, I mean, really. I, I'm not going to say, but I was like around the same time when you mentioned the Commodore 64 and the ZX Spectrum, but we're giving away our age here guys you know just to give you an idea of the 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 audio quality of 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 this uh clubhouse platform you know they've got different conversations from arts to tech to to finance to entertainment etc and if i as i speak to you right now uh click on on tech for example and look at what's uh, what's happening at the moment and i'm going to look at a, a particular conversation that's going on just to give you guys an idea on the audio quality that's uh, that's happening on on this particular platform, it's it's really quite insane. So, uh, if you just bear with me, if you guys carry on talking, I will set a room up, and you can hear the audio quality. And the okay, I'm, I've beaten you to it. Listen here, here it comes. Here it is. In local Atlanta, and then even put that up. But no, no. Um, which, which, which makes us uh, oh, oh so happy. And as always, another healthcare professional, Nurse Joy, um, who uh, comes up and tells us all the news related to not just showing us pictures about the ICU, but probably most importantly is um, the folks who are up here at, at the top. That couldn't have well, there we go. That's uh, something, a conversation that's going on right now on Clubhouse. It's, it's fascinating, as Aki says, and it is one of the newest technologies that is around as he as he mentioned earlier only available on iphones at the moment uh, but i play around there a bit like you i haven't started a room yet i can't see what the business model is for people who would be hosting rooms but yeah. presumably at some point in future we will know about that carrie's in studio she's going to be talking to wendy applebaum in just a moment but before we go there i heard this crazy uh, clip on bloomberg today which kind of puts in perspective the fear factor around AstraZeneca vaccines. Now, we've been covering this story over the last couple of weeks. And guided by Professor Alan Whiteside, AstraZeneca, the vaccine costs three pounds. The J&J and other vaccines cost a multiple of that and exponentially greater than that. So there seems to be some people are saying there are dirty tricks going on behind the scenes. Uh, there's a bit of uh, uh, lobbying and maybe 
media manipulation. But when you listen to this clip, you'll get an understanding of how much fear has just been engendered by some of the stuff that's coming out on AstraZeneca. Let's have a listen. I'm getting more and more terrified about AstraZeneca. I know we talked about it a lot and we've decided, you know, we'll take any shot they give us because we're good citizens because, you know, we want to be participants in, in the healthy global economy. But Germany yesterday said, all right, you know what? No one under 60 gets the AstraZeneca shot. Previously, they said no one over 65. So the window's getting smaller and smaller. They found 31 cases of blood clots in nine cases leading to deaths. Mm. Um, yep. and, and some uh, were people who were only 20 years old. You don't want to yep. walk into you know, a doctor's office in your 20s to get a vaccine that you think is going to you know, make you not get COVID and then die of an embolism. That's like... That's not very, good. very. All right, uncool. let's go to the expert. Let's bring in an expert, Matt. Sam Fazelli, he's a senior pharmaceutical analyst. He's also head of research for Bloomberg Intelligence in Europe. And Sam knows all about this stuff. He's got a PhD in something that I think is somewhat related. Sam, let's start with the AstraZeneca. What do we know? There's so much misinformation or just, I guess, cross currents of information out there. What's your sense of this AstraZeneca uh, vaccination? Yeah, hi, Paul. So I think I would call it cross-currents. That was a good phrase they used there, misinformation or, or, or confusing information. So I, what I'd like to do is to run with the, the one uh, country that has been very clear about the numbers, etc., they've come out with, and that's the Paul Ehrlich Institute in Germany. They're now talking about 31 cases temporarily associated with the vaccination dose. And then when you start looking at those numbers now, 31 cases over about two months of vaccinating out of 2.7 million doses, that calculates to something in the region of a 68 or 70 roughly um, uh, cases per annum per million. And that is higher than any other estimate that I've seen for the natural uh, number of cases here. So, so we're now in a realm that, that, that a serious institution has talked about numbers that they have adjudicated and they think might be related. I think everyone needs to take it seriously. Look, I I get what you're saying, and I don't play the lotto because I don't think there's any chance that I would win. But at the same time, if I'm in my 20s, I want my chances of dying from a blood clot temporally related to a vaccine to be zero, you know, to be none. I, I don't. I, I don't care if 2.7 million people got it and we're fine. I don't want to be the one person that gets a blood clot and dies. And if there's any causation, I think it's a hard sell, Sam. Uh, you're right. Unfortunately, people don't get vaccinated just for themselves. Um, the reason vaccines work is that it, be cre- it creates a community of vaccinated people, which then makes it very difficult for the virus to to. Uh, to pass around, which is what some people talk about, this wall of immunity that we put up against the virus. That's when you see much more than the sum of the individuals who are protected. Now, I understand that you can't go and sell that to a 20-year-old, but frankly, if the only vaccine available, which is not the case, but if the only vaccine available was AstraZeneca, I would say they absolutely have to get it because there's just no other option. And, um, and in fact... The case counts, you know, some of them are likely to have been people who would have had it anyway. So really still need to be studied and, and understood why it's related. 
Um, and I mean, let me give you another thing, Matt. What if in four months' time, three months' time, as Johnson & Johnson's rolled out, you get the same signal there? Then what do you do? Or what if uh, Pfizer-BioNTech in three months' time or two months' time, you see a rare case of stuff going on in there? I mean, I'm not expecting anything, but I'm saying what if? We have to make choices, and this has to be one of them. Sam, stepping back, I, I know you're you're based in France. Uh, you spend uh, a lot of time in the UK. Give us our audience here in the US a sense of why has the vaccination rollout been so challenging in the European Union in particular? Yeah, so it's all so far. It's all about not having had the doses to do the job. Um, and, and I mean, let's not forget that, that France has got about twelve percent of its population now vaccinated with at least one dose. I mean, that, that's now it's starting to become respectable, right? Okay. The, the, the point is, though, that when you did your deals late, when you spent, and this is the European Union that I am blaming, nobody else, right? Not the countries. They kind of abdicated to the EU because that's what they're supposed to be the, uh, the point of the European Union. When they did these deals and negotiated for every single cent and did the deals extra number of months later, when they did not invest in manufacturing like the UK government did, like the US government did, and gave these companies billions of dollars, then you pay a price. And unfortunately, this is the price. You're listening to the BizNews Power Hour, brought to you by the team at biznews.com. I think that's a really good clip because it encapsulates so much about what's going on now. The fear factor that's, that's, uh, that exists. Here you've got Paul Sweeney, who's a very respected journalist uh, with Matt Miller. They have that show together on Bloomberg, talking to Sam Fazelli, who's the head of MEA research for Bloomberg. It's, it's a big these – are, these are heavy hitters. I'm absolutely terrified about getting an AstraZeneca vaccine. Why? Well, because 31 people have unconfirmed cases out of 2.7 million vaccines. It's bizarre. It is bizarre, isn't it? I mean, the whole world seems to have gone crazy. Aki? I, I, I want to tell you a story. I mean, my parents are in Greece, and they live on an island in the northeastern Aegean, and they've been getting SMSs to get the vaccine, and uh, people over 75 got the Pfizer vaccine. They got the SMS. Over 65 uh, was the Pfizer vaccine as well. And they had two different points on this island, and the one point was vaccinating people under 65 with this uh, with this uh, particular vaccine, the AstraZeneca one, and on the same day that they announced the two different locations, 65 plus, you get Pfizer, and and, and 65 and below, you're doing AstraZeneca. Not one person showed up to get the AstraZeneca vaccine. It was extraordinary. <laughs> and yet, in the UK, they've uh, vaccinated 30 million at last count. In fact, uh, your guest tonight is uh, it's Wendy Applebaum. She's in London. Does she know much about what's going on with us? Wendy knows everything about everything. Wendy? <laughs> <laughs> She's going to keep uh, quiet. I was going to introduce her and say that Wendy is a farmer. A wine farmer. She's a farmer. She's a businesswoman. She's a mum. She's a wife. She's a friend. She's a philanthropist. I'm starting to sound like Krista Berg here. She's the best stripper in town. <laughs> Wendy. <laughs> I'll tell you one oh, thing. Wendy. I can't do. That is for sure I can't strip. Welcome I to don't our even get into the bath without <laughs> taking off my glasses. I do not want to see. Oh, Wendy. 
Welcome, this is welcome. Naughty corner, <laughs> that's for sure. Welcome to but the business. But while we're on it, those idiots talking about being a, you know, a fraction of a of a minute percentage of the population getting a blood clot, I tell you, you've got much more chance of dying of a COVID, the fool. <laughs> there you have it. Just straight from the mouth of Wendy Applebaum. But it's true. When you absolutely, I mean, right. I was horrified when the when when South Africa didn't use their million doses of AstraZeneca for no good reason whatsoever. Oh, In no, fact, there's going to be a them. booster that's going to come out before they've even vaccinated anybody. The booster will be out. Well, um, I couldn't help deal myself with this some morning. Of the variations and variants, and I mean, it's just nonsense. Wendy, I've got to sorry chip in here, Carrie, on on, on Carrie's corner, and <laughs> just let you know about something that will even more horrify you. When we spoke earlier in this week with Magda Wezikcha, she said that South Africa was in the front of the queue to get 100 million AstraZeneca vaccines and Listen, away. you've read so much about her. She's, it's not the first time that she hasn't made something up. But, um, but we were in the queue, but we, weren't, we didn't negotiate it up front, which is what we should have done since we were part of the... We were part of the, the experiments, and, and, and the, so we should have done that up front. But nonetheless. That's interesting. So we, yeah. we were in the queue, but uh, we, we fell out of the queue. We, we went, for, queue we went we for a milkshake. We went for a milkshake while everybody else was buying vaccines. Hey, mm. went. <laughs> I don't know about the milkshake, but I have some theories on it. <laughs> yes, of course you do. Anyway, let, let's let's hand over well, to you to when, talk about other issues now. <laughs> let me. Um, I've got some. I've got some pointed questions for you because I don't know. You're in London at the moment. I don't know if you listened, but our president addressed his fellow South Africans again this week, and once again, the alcohol, alcohol industry bad. was closed down for the Easter weekend. Now we no, know you that you can micromanage. You can't micromanage your population. Mm. Go for it. It is Got ridiculous. This platform. It's a Tell democracy. us. It is a democracy. It is absolutely ridiculous. And what they're doing to the wine industry is it, it, it's absolutely unacceptable. Okay, to be well, honest, I'm going to check with Alec and see if we're allowed to swear on the Biz News platform. <laughs> no, I, don't I can hear you cross, trying you cross, 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 cross. If, if I'm lost for words, mm. I'm just telling the audience up front. I'm battling to find an alternative to a swear word. Well, I was going to say to you, if you were if you were Cyril, and you had almost thirteen months of experience to draw on, and we know now that locking down the alcohol industry is completely futile because we know that it continues unabated, regardless of whether it's been locked down or not. Yeah, it's just pushed it underground. This is a, you yeah, know, that's that's what it's done. I don't say that it hasn't been uh, – I don't think it's been as accessible as you think. Mm. I think that there's lots of black market well, working. It. But what happens yeah. in the black market, unfortunately, is the prices go up. So the, 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 there's an unfair bias against uh, the poor. Of course. As opposed to, and the rich get whatever they like. Yep. It's exactly what's happened. And they happened. pay for it. And um, – but what happens is that the government doesn't, the 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 fiscus doesn't get, and the revenue services don't get taxes for it. They're getting nothing. That's exactly for what it. happened to the cigarettes. Do you think anybody smokes one cigarette less than they did? No. Only the people who could not afford to buy on the black market. Mm. 
Well, I've said a couple of times before on this program, it was a wonderful way of transferring the sales from the formal to the informal sector because poor people like us, pick and pay, macro, checkers, Norman Goodfellows, spa, we abided by the lockdown and nobody else did. But we do pay VAT and we do pay tax and we do employ and a you huge couldn't, amount of people. Because if you don't have sales, mm. you don't pay tax and you don't pay VAT. Yeah, so it's all going to come back and bite us in the watsits. If I was to ask you for a thumb suck of what you think, either percentage-wise or monetary-wise, the damage to the South African wine industry as a direct result of the government's handling of the alcohol during this COVID period, what do you think it is, Wend? It's enormous. I mean, we lost 40% of trading in South Africa. <laughs> okay. I mean, the industry, the industry is, is worth $7 billion a year. Mm. So if we lost 40%, I mean, we, we, we could only trade uh, for 38 out of 52 weeks. And that was on the local market. Mm. And they closed um, down exports as well for a time, didn't they? Absolutely. So, I mean, they, the numbers that are bandied about are, 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 are so enormous. Mm. I don't think there's any um, accurate so numbers at this stage of the game. There's no accurate no. numbers. The other thing that I wanted to ask you is that, you know, for many, many years, people like you and me have fought long but and hard. it could hard. be in the region of three billion. Oh, easy, easy, easy. Right. Never mind the jobs that have been lost. and the and 200,000 of those. And let mm. me tell you about 200,000 jobs. Huh? It's a one million dependents. Yep. Okay. At the very least, we're going five per family. Well, you that's, know, you own a farm. You've got a beautiful wine farm in Stellenbosch. It's mind-boggling. But mm. I think the thing that, that, that actually freaked me out even more was the completely ridiculous ban on the exports yeah. by um, Dr. Nkosuzana Dlebini, yes. who has got an issue with alcohol. Mm. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's quite ridiculous. It, it's so stupid not to look at the... At, at, at the effects, mm. the knock-on effects down the line. Well, the I think it is massive. And, and what I was going to say to you is that we've all fought quite long and hard, and specifically people like yourself, who have tried very hard over the last 10 to 15 years to eradicate the reputation that the South African wine industry has garnered for itself. We are renowned for sending container loads of bulk, cheap, Cheap seats wine to the rest of the world. And I know for a fact that people like yourself have gone and got onto aeroplanes at great cost. You have spent long periods of time away from your families, touting your wares and making sure that our beautiful quality wine is represented on shelves all around the world. I am of the opinion that where our country has placed the wine industry right now, the wine farmers are going to have to revert to that cheapy bulk wine selling again. I think they've well, obliterated know what? what you have all done in the last 10 years. I'm not so sure. I want to tell you something. I, I can tell you from my own experience and my own business was saved by exports this year. Yes. And I'll tell you something. I think every, every cloud has got a silver lining. And I will tell you that, that uh, exports increased exponentially this year. Did they? And yeah, and those are the wines at the top of the market. Got your premium and your super premium wines. Uh, really, really 
did. Well, uh, there was a conscious effort to try and save the South African wine industry. And so I think, you know, uh, those kind of interventions, and that was a, it was a considered intervention mm. by the rest of the world. And I actually think that if we look at the advantages that we, and, and, and the gains that we may have made in the international market, I think it's not so bad. I really, really don't. Well, that's encouraging. I think that, Listen, people are people are struggling all over the world. So people mm. are they drinking down. Okay. Mm. So people very often drink different so that it doesn't look like they're drinking down by virtue of the, the, the values. And I think that South African wines have shone. I really do. The top of the ranges have shone. Well, and that's... I think we've actually grown some space in the international market, to be honest, because I think people need the opportunity to taste some of our wines. Mm. And the bang for buck and the value for money is enormous. Mm. Uh, South African wines are absolutely, without any question, competitive with any wines in the world. I yeah, stand I'm with on you. That. I agree with you. What about the little farmer, Wendt? What about the guy who hasn't got the money to actually get out there and put his wine on the shelf in Tesco's? Is he not going to you know, rever- is he not going to resort to bulk wine selling in order to just keep well, his business running? There's an enormous amount of unsold inventory from 2020. Mm. I can tell you that a lot of them couldn't even make wines because their tanks were still full. Yeah, I don't even have an idea how many grapes were were uh, not processed this year. But how, I think how long do you think it's going to take to try and claw back to where we were? Pre-COVID, you know, um, I don't know. It really, really does depend. I think that we are. Firstly, I, I can tell you that yields are up, which is a most bizarre thing. We've just had the most incredible uh, harvest this year. Mm. Uh, the the volumes are up, um, and the quality years, and the quality has been incredible. Mm. I mean, it has been called a benchmark here. There's no doubt that it's one of the greatest vintages. You know, the French say they have the greatest vintage every year. But I think (laughs) every year it's the best they've ever had. But I think the the last most fabulous uh, vintage was 2015. But I think that 2021 is right up there. I think it's been absolutely superb. The grapes were amazing, Gary. Mm. And you've got a new winemaker at at the Morgan's on. We've been so het up and carried away with COVID and what's going on with our government's decisions for the alcohol industry that we haven't actually told everybody that you and Hilton, your husband, own an absolutely magnificent farm in Stellenbosch called the Morgan's on. And it was the only farm, I think I'm correct in saying this, there'll probably be a whole lot of um, naysayers on Twitter and what have you tomorrow, but I'm sure I'm correct in saying that De Morganson was the only farm in Stellenbosch that had a maiden vintage that got five stars in platter. You remember your first chain and how absolutely gobsmacking. And it is, well, I, I, I don't know of a naysayer. I don't know anybody who's ever proved me wrong otherwise. Or <laughs> they're too terrified to, Wendy. Oh, no, they're not. If somebody's <laughs> right, I'm prepared to stand down off my... <laughs> Of my soapbox, but you until they can me. tell me which one it was, mm. uh, which year and which wine, I am really going to. I'm going to hold dear. Yeah, there wasn't another one. You so. you really went into the market with a bang, 
And you had you have continued. But I was very lucky, Carrie. I was extremely, extremely lucky. Well, you know, the harder um, you work and the more money you spend on your farm, the, the luckier you get. It's just one of those funny phenomenon that. No, I was lucky. Mm. When I when I look back on the twenty years, mm. uh, almost twenty years in in the industry, and I and I know what I know now, which is not even enough. Mm. What I knew then, I was extremely lucky. I brought. Uh, I mean, we we bought a beautiful farm mm. um, with good neighbours mm. uh, and interesting wines being produced, and whatever the case may be. And we knew the terroir was good. Yes, always. But we didn't know how good it was, really. I can remember that nights in your place. house in Hyde Park, and I think I think that after many bottles of wine, the vibe and the passion and the unbelievable drive that both you and Hilton had to make that farm as beautiful and successful as it is, it's unrivaled. It was brilliant. You'd never done anything like that before, and you just took it on and went and rushing feel, with gay abandon. I so to work in nature. I really do. Mm. To live in nature, to work in nature. Listen, for me, it's been it's been quite hard. You know, I almost come from the generation of instant gratification. <laughs> and I'll tell you what. <laughs> this, what do you mean almost? You get everything you want. Patience like you can't even know. <laughs> and I, I, I could still have a lot of lessons in patience. Yeah. Uh, Your farm yeah. is magnificent, though. Quickly, how is Adam? Because last year you got a new, our darling Carl went off to live in Canada, who was your winemaker and did such an amazing job for you. Well, we worked together for so long, Carl and I. He worked for me on the farm for nearly 11 years and then he made my wine Mm. um, and his previous job. So I I do miss him. He he was really wonderful. He used to tell people that he was my son, which really irritated me. Although he was <laughs> you should have told everybody he was your lover. I should have been really happy to accept that. Only he made me look older than I was, which mm-hmm. nearly drove me wild. You should have refuted it and said, rubbish, it's a cover-up. He's actually my lover. We all knew he was your lover, when. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but then Carly went off to Canada and... And, and um, Adam, I, in another very, very safe Adam. pair of hands, has yep. overseen this harvest. Yes. Um, it's and, his first uh, harvest with you, isn't it? Yes, and mm. I think he's been absolutely blown away by the grapes. Adam, uh, Adam had me when he made a wine of his own called Raised by Wolves. I loved him <laughs> when he did that. He's a bit sort of left of centre, but he's also a flipping good winemaker. He's a fabulous winemaker, and he's a great sinker. Mm. I spend a lot of time having him over for dinner and just shooting the breeze and talking about about the industry and innovation. And I want to tell you, I mean, talking about innovation, I think that's got to be the way to go. People are innovating. Yes. They are. There are enormous innovations in, in, in this industry. People are doing canned wines for picnics. And Did you see the April Fool's joke today? Did you see it? I should have sent it to you, my wind. Three cans, Verve, Clico, Moet and Chandon and Tattinger in a can. <laughs> I got it this morning at like six o'clock, and I said, "I'm not going to get into that." But I oh think that God. that if there are things for people to do to kind of change the the world of wine, yeah. it's you know, and and you you're one of the most successful uh, wine stores probably in the world. Um, That's but, pushing it a bit. But I'll are take be it. Different, and they're going to be online purchases. People mm. have got to kind of think out the box, yeah. do different things. 
but I think you know it, it's it's um, it's it's going to be it's going to be those creative thinkers who yeah. who do stuff definitely. And who, uh, well, you one of them, run, you know, you are one of them, and as ever, just brilliant to chat to you. You are such fun. I'm going to do a whole big in-depth profile with you on one of my podcasts one day. But thanks for joining us on our Power Hour this evening. You huge fun. Are you? What are you doing for Easter? Are you getting drunk all weekend because you can buy alcohol? <laughs> Only because we because <laughs> the one thing we're not short of is alcohol. <laughs> so, and in London, actually, it is. You are allowed to drink. They don't. They don't try and control the population. No, I know they infinitely um, civilized. But, I mean, that's, um, I'm going to have a, a lovely weekend. My darling, and man, thank you, you so thing. much. You wish us Big what? hug. Big hug to you, too. And thanks Bye for joining us on our power. I loved you both. Bye. Bye. You're listening to the Biz News Power Hour, brought to you by the team at biznews.com. Well, it certainly does add some power to this hour, doesn't it? That is powerhouse. That is a pocket rocket. She's something special, uh, Wendy Applebaum. Uh, David, you know Wendy. You've known her, uh, I guess, Donald Gordon's daughter. I suppose you would have known her when when she was uh, in in pigtails and... Nappies, maybe. Nappies. (laughs) No, David, you're not that old. I am. <laughs> uh, her brother Richard was used to be on the floor. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. Listen, uh, Donnie was a powerhouse in his uh, own way. I mean, he was an incredible man, and what he did for the insurance industry in his heyday. Um, I, I hope Wendy's doing for the uh, wine industry. Oh, she is um, indeed. Uh, yeah, the only wine that I've been drinking lately is Uncle Itz- Uncle Itzik's uh, Pesach wine. Oh my goodness, David! <laughs> I'm going to have to have you on a course. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy shouldn't be drinking. She should. Uh, I know it's Pesach. Go to Sunday night, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. We won't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, David! As always, been brilliant to have you on tonight, Wendy. Thank you for for bringing uh, Wendy. <laughs> Carrie, thank you for bringing Wendy onto the show tonight. Such a pleasure, uh, Aki. Fantastic to have you uh, in our little uh, zoo that we have here. It's, it's quite nice to watch on YouTube, and you can see all the different characters. And uh, man, you haven't aged, and uh, continue to go from strength to strength. Thanks for the insights that you've given us. And Charles, as always, uh, your expert insights. Charles is our—he's our like our, our guru. He's uh, our he, guru. He's, a, he's, he's got a qualification that even David hasn't got. My word! Yeah. <laughs> a CFA, propeller, a propeller head. Propeller head quali- qualification. Okay, yeah. done. So we'll sort that out. We'll give him something to drink, and he'll go stupid. <laughs> we'll drink you stupid, Charles. <laughs> I'm from the Bunant. I drink red wine. Good boy. But, no, yeah. Well, you haven't been drunk stupid quite yet, Charles. <laughs> I hope. I certainly don't think so. And just to just to close off before we leave you, um, the all share index today was up by 1.3 percent, pulled higher by industrials, which were up two and a half percent. The rand 16, um, sorry, 1473 against the dollar, 2032 against the pound, and 1731 against the euro. That makes South African wines real cheap, <laughs> if you think about it. You Such say, good value for money. Crumbs. I mean, 20, one pound uh, is a 20 rand uh, equivalent, so 20 rand 32 cents. So if mm. you're talking about a, a plonk in the UK, which would be a real plonk, mm. uh, which would be a five, I suppose, eight pound wine, it's somewhere between 100 and 160 rand, which in South Africa is not wow. bad. Eh? 
Mm. Then you do you styling when you're drinking that. You're styling. Yep. Okay, there we go. And uh, lovely to hear from Wendy that South African wines are really starting to. I know there's a big move to support the South African wine industry. We've got a a big fraternity in the rest of the world. Thank goodness. Well, we've got a big diaspora as well. Mm. So, and they're all South Africans. You never become an ex-South African, by the way. It doesn't matter where you live in the world. Never call yourself an ex-South African. You're always a South African. I learned. I was taught that by uh, somebody who calls England the tenth province of this country because there's so many South Africans in England <laughs> that they could make up a tenth province. Well, that that was <laughs> that was his view. Uh, the bonds, uh, which are quite interesting to let you know how the interest rates are going. That's they're sitting at seven point three zero percent. That's the R one eight six. David, that's an important bond, isn't it? R one eight six. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and the uh, tenure as well. Mm. And the tenure as well. Naspers and yeah. Sassel both up 5.5%, finishing the week really strongly for many South Africans, most popular shares, both of those. And then the big mover on the week with us was the cement producer PPC, which came out with some good news. That share price from 1 rand 77 last week. It closed in the shortened week at 2 rand 90. Could have changed your address if you bought it at the right time. <laughs> Thanks for being with us on the Biz News Power Hour tonight. We'll be back again on Tuesday after the long weekend. Have a wonderful one. We all need it. We've, uh, we've been stretched, I think, in our own ways, haven't we, over the past uh, uh, lockdown months. period, mm, 13 months. But it does look like we're coming in the right direction now. Ace is out. Uh, the leading indicators of the economy are good. We didn't have a crazy reimposition of the lockdown. Things might just be better after this Pesach weekend. David, uh, um, all the best. What do you say to Jewish people over this period? Happy Pesach. Chag Sameach. Yeah, Chag Sounds rude. Uh, happy festival. <laughs> okay. Chag to you too. <laughs> You've been listening to the Power Hour, brought to you by the team at Biz News.